1: A lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did
0: it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today I'm joined by my first friend in Nicaragua. Uh, a good friend of mine over the years I shared a lot of uh, cool moments with, a lot of hard moments. And I want to kind of set the scene for you guys because I'm sitting outside of his house um, across the street from the well that we used to pull our water out of in the early days. Uh, there's chickens around us, a few of the neighbors are walking around. You might hear a few motorcycles or cars go by, but we're pretty deep in the jungle. You know, um, It's very, very authentic, I would say, sitting out here and, and the lifestyle that we see kind of going about us. So those are the kind of the background noises you'll be hearing. And uh, with that said, Fernando, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm here and I'm so glad uh, to be
1: here. And it's been a long time. Without seeing you, my friend,
0: (laughs) I remember when we got together like 13 years ago or something. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah, so for the audience to get a better idea of our relationship, I got here in February of 2005. I was driven from the airport out to this random little pueblo on the beach in Nicaragua by my future partner, Jack, who said, This is Fernando. I'm going to leave you here for the next week with Fernando. Um, He kind of speaks English. He's been learning through Bob Marley songs how to learn English. (laughs) And he's going to help, like, we're going to get this house ready for our new guests. And uh, we have a gentleman shopping wood across the street. (laughs) Anyways, and so him and I just bonded. We were getting the house ready and trying to get prepared for the new guests. And Fernando really had a good understanding of the neighborhood, the people, how this whole place functioned. And I just remember being so out of my element. And Fernando was cool because he challenged me a lot. He made me do things that I wasn't comfortable with at all. But I remember that day. When
1: you came here, you didn't know Spanish, nothing. I was a little bit understand what to say in English, but it was a little hard in the beginning too. And I told you
0: that you had to go get water or something with the big pipe and pulling with the truck. You had to go with their big pila, which is a water storage tank on wheels, drive it over to the well with a... A water pump. I didn't know how to use any of those things. Drop it in the well, suck out all the water I could, fill the pump up like or fill the pila up. And I remember just being terrified. I mean for all you listeners who have, you know, ventured into really unfamiliar experiences like this for me was just so far out of my comfort zone. I had traveled a lot, but to be put to the test in this way was such a new experience. And you were really cool, man. You always were just like there to show me even though we weren't like communicating very well like verbally, like you'd always show me like, hey, check this out, like I'll show you how to do this.
1: Yeah, I'm always trying to show some people, you know, to do the to do it well, to do it better because, you know, I like I like you in the beginning when you came and I was waiting for you because I didn't have no help either though, you know. I was by myself with Jack and Jack it was like Working, but a different way, you know? Try and build and all that stuff. Uh Yeah, but that was nice. That
0: was fun back in the day. I mean, think about what's changed. I mean, we're sitting now, again, like in one of... uh So, Fernando's mother is who we bought the original property off of. Who then, in the future, John bought a lot of his property off of from episode 27, who owns the hostel in Higante Bay. So, Fernando's been really a big part of our lives, both like... Adventure wise and business wise. You know, we've always had a relationship with you and your family. We bought and sold a lot of properties through you guys. <clears throat> and now we're sitting at one of your other properties that used to just be straight jungle. You know, when we were fl- pulling water out of that well over there, like this was just jungle trees. And like over the last 13 years, as you can hear, it's turned into a neighborhood. Right. A you can different. see a big develop development here though. And a lot of people now.
1: That's a little, it's good for people, you know, everybody's trying to make some money and a lot of people like living here. Now you can see we have a couple of houses here. Yeah. They're a little classic thing. The same thing, you have a wheel here, you pull the water up on the tank
0: and all that. He's describing how he gets water into a gravity-fed tank. He has a little (laughs) wheel that he pumps it up to. (laughs) But yeah, like, so the first day I get here... Fernando and I jump in the truck, and we jam over to an, a beach just north of Gigante Bay called Amarillo. Beautiful, untouched, pristine beach. Um, and there was a lot of, like, uh, campesinos squatting on the property. These are people who were trying to get the property from, I think, the government. Yeah, they were trying to sell the, the whole property to some people who
1: had the money or something. Uh, but the campesinos here, they didn't let it.
0: It it ain't happen, you see. Yeah, still there. So for again, for another just little factoid about places like this: if you sit on a property long enough, you have the right to that property. So a lot of people will come to these deserted beaches that are kind of public, private, like not really. There's not really clear who owns it, and they try to sit there for as long as they can to get the right to own that piece of property. So there were hundreds of people. Not all at once, but over the years trying to stake their claim on this beach called Amarillo. And the first day we went over there, we were gathering like tree vines and all these beautiful things to like decorate the house with before the guests came. I just remember that being so profound and I was a little scared because I mean, these people were out there and it seemed like they didn't know who we were and what we were doing, but you casually walked up to them and said hello and they were cool there in their hammocks like that were slung between two trees. They've been squatting out there for a lot of weeks and With machetes in there, huh? Machetes, yeah. (laughs) It was never violent, though. It never got violent. Like, it's always been pretty civil. That's still being disputed. I mean, they're still trying to get it for themselves. There's a lot of negotiation going on, like how it's going to be distributed. But, I mean, man, the times that we've shared over the years, like... And I brought Fernando on because, you know, this whole podcast is about people who go out and seek the type of life that they want. You know, and, and where Fernando's been and where he's gone has just been a really cool story. Because I haven't seen you in 10 years. Like, you disappeared one day. And I, your mom told me that you had moved to Washington, D.C., which was super surprising. It was kind of like, didn't know that you were going to do that. And then you were gone. And I hadn't seen or heard from you in 10 years. So, I, I did. Mean, why? Like, why did you leave? I wasn't even ready,
1: though. I just, it was, it really was, remember, I was leaving and. Working hard and I, back in the days I was living with that girl that she had a couple daughters or something. It wasn't that good for me, but it was an experience too, you know. After that, I remember my sister, she, she left and she was living in D.C. One night she called me and she said, you want to come here? I said, sure thing. And I was like, just go for fun, you know, on vacation or something. So I went to the embassy, applied for a visa. They say yes, so
0: I got into a plane and flew away. (laughs) So you went to D.C., Washington, D.C., on a tourist visa, which allows you, what, three months in America? Yeah. And then you just never left. And so this is where the story, as we started reconnecting the other night, got really interesting for me, which was, I mean, you started a new life with literally nothing. And you've, I mean, grown your life in America to be... A very successful businessman at this point, which is kind of that classic American dream, you know yeah. so a lot of the people that I interview on the show they leave America and come down to Nicaragua or wherever they choose to go and and live their dream life, where you kind of did the reverse, and i don't know if it's your dream life, but you created a sort of dream life for yourself up there in America that is just incredible. so I kind of want to help the audience understand like what you really did because the other night when we were talking about it, like I was tripping like. You were telling me that you got to D.C., you obviously needed to get a job, so you got a job as a dishwasher. I did. I got a job as
1: a dishwasher, uh, but I didn't have a car or nothing back back then, you know. And I had to get up every morning, I find the morning and go all the way to Maryland
0: in Bethesda. To Maryland from DC. No, from Virginia. Oh, Virginia. Yeah,
1: I was living in Fairfax, Virginia. Fairfax, Virginia. So yeah, I get up in the morning oh, no. And when I, when I get there, I remember I had fifth, not even, I had $1,200 in my pocket. And like four days after I went to the, I went to buy food and all that with my sister and she said, you have to pay, okay, so I pay like $300 and, and after that, like a couple days after, she said, you have to pay rent, now it's $500 per rent, you know, so I spent like 900 out of 12 and I was there with no work, with no, no money or nothing, I said, oh, come on, you know, I got to do something. So I start searching, I start looking for work, they didn't let me do it because I didn't have a, like, like a social security number or the right to work or anything like that. Uh, so yeah, I start working as a dishwasher in Maryland all the way there, so I gotta get up every five, every day at five in the morning, catch the bus, go all the way to the metro, take two metros and catch another bus to get to the place that I was working.
0: And that took you, what, approximately, three hours, you said? Yeah. Took you three hours to get to work every day? Yeah. Yeah, I started working at nine. Okay. So you work all day, and then it took you three hours to get
1: home? Yeah, and the restaurant, you know, they usually close around nine. But because I'm the dishwasher, I had to clean everything, the whole restaurant before leave. And after that, I had to catch the bus and do it again.
0: So you work from nine in the morning... Until what time at night? Around eleven. Eleven. Almost twelve, something I, So yeah. that's like 12, 13 hours. Yeah. And would you get paid for every hour that you work? Yeah, like, like seven dollar. And would you get overtime,
1: like once you worked over eight no, hours? No, no, because I remember I only I was making like four hundred and eighty week a week or something. Four hundred eighty. No, 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 not a week.
0: Every two weeks. Every two weeks, you made four hundred eighty dollars. Yes,
1: yes, cause I never have five hundred dollars check, and I did that for like I don't know, maybe the whole year,
0: six days a week. You said yes, yes. So I mean, I guess because you're working illegally, they don't have to pay you overtime. No. Nah. So they just kept you at minimum wage. Yeah. Wow, and you did that for one year. And, I mean, did you have a social life? Were you learning English or were you just kind of staying with your well,
1: family? Well, I was only staying in the, in the restaurant, you know, in the back, on the dishwasher. And a lot of Spanish people there, we only speak Spanish, you know. So I wasn't able to speak English or understand a little bit, practice or whatever. It was a little hard for me, you know, in the beginning because everywhere people have an accent or slang, especially there. Uh, but yeah, my English wasn't that good. It was a little broken, still. But I'm keep trying, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I think I yeah I did that for like the whole year, and after that, I remember I met this girl from uh, Chile. Uh, it was Alejandra, was her name, right? And she was working at AT&T, like selling phones or something, you know. So I remember. I got me a Muppet and I was riding on the Muppet everywhere in Fairfax City the whole thing and I, uh, so she was working there in the AT&T so I remember one time I went to see her at the work at the job site or something I, was, I don't remember wh- why I was there but it wasn't a line And the line it was a Honduran guy but I was trying, I was understanding a little better English than him. And he saw me that I was talking with somebody, and then he talked to me, he said, can you please help me because I don't know anything, but can you translate then what I need? He was trying to fix his line in the phone or something. So I helped him up and I translated people, so they helped him and all that. And, and the same day, I told him, That I was, my life, it was a little hard because I was working all the time and I never had money in my pocket. I only was able to buy flowers or chocolates or something for my girlfriend. And it was, yeah, hard for me because I had to pay rent and food and traveling a lot because all the way, the metro was so expensive. I was spending like $8 a day or something. It
0: was a little hard. That's like one hour worth of work almost. Yeah. So, yeah, plus food and 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 rent. Yeah. Which so then was so what, what started changing? Like, you obviously were now an illegal immigrant in America, working still as a dishwasher. When did things start to change where you started to get different jobs, better jobs? When I met that guy... The Honduras guy? Yeah. Tell me. He told me that uh,
1: we were talking, he said, you know what, I'm making $35 an hour. I went, what? Say yeah, cutting trees, doing tree jobs and all that. And I'm the tree climber and that's how much I make. And I drive the truck and we got chippers and chelso and ropes and all that. And pulleys and a lot of things that we use for, for that kind of job. So... He told I told him, you know, I need, I really need a job. If you can help me, I'm gonna be appreciate that for real. He said, you know what? Let me have your phone number. I'm gonna call you tonight. Sure? Yes. And he did. No way. He did it. He called me the right, like around nine or ten or something. You know. He called me. He said, you know what? I have bad news for you. I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever. I know. Why you call me? He <laughs> said no. Bad news because from now on you're gonna get up every morning at five and meet me at this uh, company and he sent me an address. It was JL3 Service, I remember. So after making seven dollars an hour, I start and I was making like four hundred eighty every two weeks, right? So after that they start paying me twelve every week, every Friday. They gave me, like, the same $500 or something, you know. So now
0: you're making, it for like, say, $480, $500 a week now. Every week. Every Friday. So you doubled your pay, basically. Every Friday, you
1: know. So I said, wow, I like this. And I start getting I, got, I get more involved with my girlfriend. And we moved together to an apartment. And after that, we start doing it. She was working, I was working. We were trying to make life, you know. Uh, but and I stayed. I stayed with her. I don't even remember, but right. But after her, I met Kelly, which is now your wife. Is now my wife. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and I got married with her, and all that documentation
0: to make me legal, whatever. Yeah. So now, so now, yeah. Present day, you have a gringa wife, yeah, named Kelly. You've now been married to, what, four years? Yeah. Uh, You have a daughter who's, what, nine? Yeah. With Kelly. Yeah. And you have your own tree trimming company now. Yeah. In Maryland. Yeah. Called Fast. In Huntingtown, Maryland. Huntingtown, Maryland. That's where you have your tree trimming company. Yeah. And now you're making way more than $12. Yeah,
1: a lot more. Like... As I told you, well, after that, I, I didn't get my tree service like tomorrow, you know. I started working as a grandman. They taught me how to use the chainsaw and cut and drive big trucks, bucket trucks, cranes, all that. Look, this company was a big company. They had like 13 groups, crews, you know. And they have uh, two trucks and four people, every crew. Endless chances, robes, whatever, whatever you want. But it was a lot of Spanish guys, Salvadorian, you know. They, I don't know, for some reason, they are like, they had that thing called envy. Envy? Oh, they were like jealous of you? Yeah. Yeah. Because I was, I was trying to speak English better than them. And they had like 20 years living there and then they never, you know, they never understand English or whatever. So, yeah, they got jealous, and I was, and the 13 cruise. the whole thing, nobody wants me. They said, no, I don't want him here. Go to the next one, the next one, the next one. So the last one, when I got there, it was this guy, Salvadorian guy, too, but he said, you know what? If you want to learn, I'm going to teach you. And he was screaming at me and said, do it like this. You got to grab the chancel. Do it hard. Do this, do that. I said... I didn't like him in the beginning, but after that, I said, well, I had to learn. <laughs> so I started, and I learned, and after that, he told me how to use the bucket trucks, and I was making $12, right, uh, working as a groundsman, but after that, I realized that they were making 18 climbing trees and cutting and all that. I said, I had to learn, and I did. And after that, so from 12 uh, the next day, I started making 18, it was more money but after that I moved to another different company and they paid me 20 and after that 21 and 22 and I kept climbing you know until like 35 yeah and I was the foreman
0: in the group like the boss you know Um, And were you still primarily hiring, like, were you still, so were you the boss of now mostly El Salvadorians? Yeah. Yeah?
1: Yeah. But I had, uh, I think I had a couple of pictures here I'm trying to show you. My equipment, you know. Do you want another beer? No. No? You're good? Oh, look, and I cut my fingers with a chainsaw.
0: Look, that one, that's my truck. So he's showing me a picture of like a U-Haul type truck, like a 18 footer with a big wood chipper. Yeah. That's spitting wood into the back of the truck.
1: You know, that chipper costs 60 grand. Yeah. Yeah. Is
0: that yours? You own it now? Yeah. No way. $60,000. <laughs> Look at you, dude. This you're a You're yeah. a
1: boss. <laughs> and chainsaws and I have. Do you have a, a picture of your fingers cut from
0: a chainsaw? I do. Let me show you some. So now he's showing me a picture of his mangled fingers that look disgusting that he cut with a chainsaw. It looks like Jason or Freddy got a hold of him and just started hacking into his fingers. Um, they're not severed, but, like, the gouges in his pinky finger and then his ring finger on his left hand are absolutely destroyed. 49 stitches. Oh, that's disgusting. What, you just slipped or what?
1: Yeah, I slipped with the chainsaw in my hand. Were you up in a tree and it slipped? Is yeah. that what happened?
0: Yeah. Yep. You're so lucky you still have your fingers.
1: There's 49 stitches.
0: 49 stitches. And no tendons were severed? Yeah.
1: This they, one I was gone. And this one, too.
0: And so are your, are your fingers... You,
1: I don't feel them, but I can use them. You know, you can't feel your
0: fingers anymore, no. but you can use them. Yeah. Wow. What a crazy yeah, I,
1: story. Yeah, and I wasn't, I wasn't able to
0: work for nine months. Oh, no. Yeah. So you lost a lot of money. Or was this when you had your company, so you had other people working for you? Yeah, now it, I have people working for me. I was, know, but when you cut your fingers and you weren't working for nine months, did you already have your company or were you still working no, for No,
1: I was working for another company.
0: Okay. And I was working
1: full time. But they did something and after that they pay me only part time. They said that I was working less than 30 hours, you know. If you work 40 hours plus, they, they they pay you like a full time. And I was working like 50 hours or something. But with the accident, uh, they did something. They fake something with the uh, insurance comp, you know. And they pay me less. They start paying me less. But yeah, they paid for the, the for the uh, surgery and all okay. that. They did. And yeah, and I got this one too. Cut his forehead. <laughs> you just got. You're in a dangerous job, dude. I do. Now it's different because now I know how to do it, you know? And then I was working for that tree service, Artec something. All
0: official looking. That's really cool, Fernando. I mean, so you have your own company now in Maryland. You have a daughter who's nine. You have a wife. Uh, Both your daughter and wife uh, are coming down in a few months to see your home country, neither which speaks Spanish, you told me. Um... You're here after not being here for 10 years, and you were telling me you didn't even speak to your family pretty much here for 10 years. No. Just because you, that's just how your family rolls? Like, it's, you, that's not necessary? Yeah,
1: that's how it rolls, but, you know, once in a while, no, I remember, they They, they, they never called me or nothing. So it's All not team. like you had,
0: like, a problem, it was just, like, no need to talk to each other because we're doing no. different things. No. So, that's cool. <laughs>
1: and then I make money, a lot of money,
0: <laughs> by yeah. myself good for you dude that's a really cool story <laughs> <laughs> he showed me pictures of all these cash on him his dead. he's like a baller but yeah. you know you you have a you've created a very nice life for yourself in america I did. my sister too. look and she, she's got her mercedes and his sister <laughs> tina has her mercedes i mean these this family came from rivas and you weren't a poor family in rivas you know but you weren't a rich family in rivas you know, We're not you,
1: millionaire, you know, just What <SSSSSR> <but> would <work. SSSSR> you consider
0: yourself a, on a Nicaraguan standard, like, middle class? I think so. Like, yeah. if you had, I mean, there's there's huge divide, obviously, between the rich and the poor. Yeah. There's way more poor people in, in Nicaragua, but you definitely weren't rich, so you'd fall somewhere in the middle, I guess. Yeah, like in the middle. But, you know, now that you're back, do you ever have a desire to come back and make a life for yourself here? With not your yet. Not yet, but Not maybe yet. in the future. I
1: will in the future. I'm going to come and stay here, you know. Yeah. I'm going to retire someday. You want to retire
0: here? Yeah. I'm going so to this is an here. interesting point I'd like to bring up, because a lot of, I think, you know, Americans see a lot of the immigrants coming in, working hard, and perceive them as um, doing it because they want to live in America. But what... I, when I talk to a lot of people who do it, they come to America because they just want the money that's so easy to make in America to then come back and live a better quality of life in the country that they come from. You know, so you can make yeah. great money in America and then come back to Nicaragua and have even a higher standard of living than you did when you were growing up. Yeah,
1: well, you can make money too, but it's a little harder than in America, you know. Why? What makes it harder? Because you work hard and make less. Okay. Or because the Cordova is a little low, you know, and everything, like you make Cordoba, but you're gonna pay dollars. Everything, you know. If yeah. you see all the prices around here, they're crazy. They're, they're asking for like $80,000 $80, for a lot or something. I'm like, come on. Yeah. What? Yeah. And I remember back in the day, it was like three. Three thousand dollars for a lot.
0: Yeah. So like this lot that we're sitting on right now, you know, can you give me a ballpark of what you think your mom might have paid for it? Twenty three, twenty three thousand. Yeah. Okay. So she got in not in the beginning of the market, like no, you know, just little, after they sold it. Okay. So, you know, when when what two thousand five when we were here, you probably could have got this lot for a lot cheaper than twenty. Yeah. You probably could have got it for like eight. Maybe less. Maybe less than yeah. that. Yeah something like and that now, i mean now you know we have you know a few beers right now and a beer here costs a dollar we can drink we can drink cheaper in the states you know we can pay for 18 pack you know 75 cents a beer where True. here it's like yeah it's way more expensive to drink beer in nicaragua as well you know yeah. everything's changing with the yeah influx especially of
1: and they make the beer
0: here you know yeah yeah it's not an imported beer this is like the <laughs> local beer Tonya. So, yeah, things have changed over the last 10 years. I mean, you didn't even know that your mom had sold all that property to John. I didn't
1: know anything, though. I just came back here, and the other day, I I got a couple dollars, and I told my wife, you know, I want to go to Nicaragua. She said, okay, go ahead. I told to her this morning, she's mad. She said, oh, you know what? You, you should come by because I miss you so much and blah, blah. I said, well... I'll be here for a couple
0: months. If you wanna come, cause yeah, you said they were gonna come visit.
1: They're supposed to come, but now I don't know what's her mind. You know, she said yeah, but I'm coming. I, oh, because they went to get the passport, but the, the, the passport takes like six weeks or something. Okay. And actually, I, I, the other day I was googling like like how long it's gonna take that.
0: And I I even took pictures or something. But yeah, I think maybe four to six weeks. You I a think passport. so. Yeah. And then um, you can have it expedited a lot faster. You could get it within a week if you pay the money, you know?
1: I don't know. I told her, go ahead. I didn't get her the money. She said like 135 each one or something.
0: But... Yeah, something like that. I have no idea. Well, I'd like to kind of like go back into history a little bit. Do you know Nicaraguan history very well? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, before, before you answer, I kind of want to give the audience an idea of like what, what makes you unique to Nicaraguan history because there's a lot of people in Nicaragua who were very I mean everybody was tied to the revolution in some way shape or form whether they were directly fighting it or they had relatives fighting in it you come from a family of people who were ranked very high within the military structure and in fact fought on the contra side they were fighting against the Sandinistas Yes. because They didn't like the idea of, what, turning into a communist country. Yeah. And so it's a very interesting perspective because they started as revolutionaries because they saw the corruption that the government was and they wanted to change. In fact, and I'm excited to hear more about this, but I'm just going to kind of give the audience what I know a little bit. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But your stepfather, Don Harold, he went to Cuba with Comandante Cero, who was yeah. a very famous general in Nicaragua. And they, what, studied with Che or became friends with Che? They became friends with Che, with che Guevara and they were
1: living together because, I don't know, they had the same point of view or something. And they, they, were were, they were
0: learning about revolution and yeah. how to become uh, leaders within a revolution. So your stepfather, who's now 90, was, like you just said, housemates with Che Guevara, who was training them. Helping them understand warfare and how to get what you want. Do they it did. During the times of revolution.
1: Yeah, my dad, he was like a general in the army or something. Now, is so he your stepfather or your, or your father? Yeah, my stepfather, Harold. Yeah, your stepfather, yeah. Harold. Yeah, okay. the, well, yeah, that's the only father that I know that I met because the, my real dad, he, I never met him. And mm-hmm. I remember they say, like, he died. I don't know, a lot of years ago I never met him. Did he die in the revolution or no, he died in Guatemala. Like the I heard he was drunk driving a
0: tractor or, or something. Okay. In a car accident. Okay. So now let's just dive a little bit more into history. Like so there was the Samosa regime. Mm, no. This the, I mean I'm just like in general, like Nicaraguan history is one of like a lot of american influence putting in dictators yeah. a long time ago that were very corrupt and did horrific things to the population of Nicaragua. Yeah, but that were asked after the Somoza thing. Correct. Said, yeah. Correct. Yeah, the revolution happened many years after. Yeah. So but Nicaragua has always had a lot of political issues because uh, thank you america because of our greed, if you will.
1: I think it was like July 19 19- 1979, when the revolution got the the whole country because of the war or something, and they took the whole country now. They say, okay, now I'm the president here. Mm -hmm. Even though you don't want, I'll do it anyways. So they start doing crazy things, like whatever people do in the war, I mean, during the war, or something, but that's a little story that I know because I wasn't even born. Th- right. back You're then.
0: 36 now when we were born? 1984 85? 85. 85. Yeah. So. But times were still tough in 85. I mean, your parents. Yeah, but back in there, my parents were here,
1: and after that, I remember
0: they went to Costa Rica. And how old were you when they moved to Costa Rica? Like two. You were two years old when they moved to Costa Rica because yeah. they had to flee the country they did they fled the country because they were fighting against the the revolutionaries and and Harold was a general is that correct yeah so Harold and this is going to get exciting as we start talking because i just learned a lot of new information from you so your mom Sayuna your stepfather Harold fled the country with you at 2 years old to move to Costa Rica yeah. and those are a lot of your memories growing up in Costa Rica right
1: yeah i grew up there i remember i went to school uh, we were living in a farm all the
0: way there in the mountains. Like they what mountains? Like, can you give us, like, roughly, like, outside of San Jose or, like, no, close to the No, no, no. To-
1: that place is called Wapiles, like, close to Limón. Okay. And the Caribbean side. Oh,
0: so you were down far south on the east coast in the mountains outside of Limón.
1: Yes. Okay. Yes. There was no electricity. There was no phones. There was not even a road. There
0: was no cars either. Because I remember riding on horses, you had to get horseback up to the property. Yes, and and this gets really interesting. So, can you tell the audience like what was actually going on at that house? Because you were young, and you said there's a lot of things coming and going. And yeah, I remember like once a
1: week, it was a couple trucks, big trucks, coming with a lot of guys, a lot of guys, and they were bringing big uh, crates. Like, yeah, like boxes or crates or something, all that, with weapons in it. Because they put in, I remember it was a room that my parents, they say, you, you can't get into the room ever. Oh, and I remember when those trucks are coming in the house, my mom is going to hide us. Me and my sister and three of my sister because Tina, she wasn't born yet. She was born in Costa Rica back in the back in the days, so mm-hmm. like around those years that we, we were living there. So yeah, they said, "Don't you ever go in that room." And you know, when you're a kid, you're curious. You know, especially yeah. me, mm-hmm. I want to know what is there. So when my parents they 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 wasn't usually there. We were Your by ourselves. Never there. You kind of. Nah. Where do you think they were? You don't know. Working or something, or maybe here. So then who took care of you? I was an old girl somewhere there. Her name was Ginia. I remember she was coming. And that's the way that I remember that I learned how to cook. I did it myself. And I, I grabbed the, the firewood. And I, we had like a kitchen or something, and I make the fire. And I had a little pot like this. And we have a lot of hands. Like gallina or something, and they have a little house for the hens, right? And they call gallinero. So you all the time you go to the gallinero in the morning and grab the eggs, you know. You grab the eggs and come and they cook eggs every morning for me. And after that, I was walking to the school. I went to first, second, and third grade, and that's the way that I learned how to read. But I was trying all the time, not only in the school, when I was walking on the town or something, and I see a sign, I was trying to learn like letter by letter if I put them together what it's gonna say. Yeah. And I did it. Why? I was Go ahead. I didn't mean like I think I was like seven or eight years old or something. Why did you think why would your mom hide you when all these uh I don't people know people would come? I don't know, but I remember all the time she hide us. It was during the night, like once a week or maybe once every two weeks or something. You know, mm-hmm. when you're a kid, you don't know the time. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, she hide us in the back in another room. The house, it was big. It was a big old house, like a farm. And they always come in with a, a lot
0: of men. I remember they were a lot, like 30 maybe of them. So we could maybe start to... Create an idea of what was going on, where you know Harold was a general. Your mom was, uh, I believe, a colonel. Yeah. Um, so very high-ranking officers in the contra revolution against the Sandinistas, and we all know about Oliver's Point in the northwestern part of Costa Rica, where Oliver North, the U.S. general, was smuggling weapons, basically to to basically your mom and yeah. stepfather. So you can maybe imagine that when your mom and stepfather left. They were receiving guns on the Caribbean side and then shipping them up to the north of the country, of Nicaragua, to help, again, fund the Contras. Would that kind of make sense? I think so.
1: I think so. They were doing that. They were doing that. And I remember a couple times that I got into into that room, there was a lot of crates and, and weapons and knives and, like, M-16s or ak 47 a lot of things like that. Like, they were, like,
0: the whole room full of weapons. Huh. Yeah. So you lived in Costa Rica... And bullets, Rica, too. And bullets. Yeah. So you lived in Costa Rica until about 7, and then you moved back to Nicaragua.
1: Yeah, we moved back to Nicaragua when I was, like,
0: 10. And what was the reason? Because the revolution was Because now,
1: the revolution wasn't, like, you was know, over. the. Uh, the president, it was a new one, like Violeta Barrio, uh, with the uh, UNO, something, I remember. So after that, yeah, we came back to Nicaragua, but it was nothing. You can have money, but you can't buy anything.
0: Because now it's kind of like socialist or communist almost, like yeah. everyone has rations, like you go to the store, but there's nothing on the shelves.
1: No, and it depends on how, family, how big is your family, you know, so the government is going to give you a ticket. You get the ticket, you got money too, and you go with the ticket, and you pay with money, but you have to show them the ticket, and they're going to stop something, you know, like every time you go there. And if you, if, if, I think if they fool the whole thing, and there's no more uh, places that you can stop, then you can't buy anything.
0: No so they're more. rationing food, essentially, to yeah. so your family, depending on the size of your family. Yeah. And did you come straight back to Rivas and live in Rivas? No, we live in Managua. We, need, we live in Managua
1: in another place, which it was a farm, too, I remember, and the Carretera Sur all the way. in Kai. it's called Incae, I remember that place.
0: It was like in the first 15 kilometers or something there. And what were your parents doing now since, I mean, the revolution's over? Like, what are they doing for work?
1: My father was working for an Intel. Back in the day, it was telcore. It was the communication business or something. And yeah, he was working there. Well, he came here first. He came here like a year before we come back. I think he was working and making sure that everything gonna be fine for us. After that, we came. And. Yeah, then I remember after that, I started going to school, there were no buses around, the buses were like a a big truck. A big truck with
0: boards in the back and a ladder (laughs) to get in. And you would just get on these trucks that would kind of drive around taking people from place to place? Yeah, and you get on and off and jump on another truck and yeah. you go to a different place. And yeah, that's kind of how the transportation system was. That was slowly growing back. I'm sure after the war, everything was devastated.
1: Yeah, and there were. I, I remember, it we had a lot of money because I. I remember it was this big, like, bags, big bags, or sacks they call, mm-hmm. with money. Why? Why would you have so many big sacks of money? A lot of that. I don't know where my parents took that from or something, but they were there. I saw that. And it was like Cordoba Oro. Cordoba Oro. It was, that was different. It, it has like a Sandino bill or something. Uh,
0: it was an older version of the money that you have here. Yeah. There were big sacks of it. And you still don't know yeah, why. Yeah, like. He's pulling out a ten quarter of a note to kind of. Yeah, whatever. now you see they're
1: plastic. Now it's plastic. Bills. Now it's yeah. plastic.
0: Everything, but it's worthless. Yeah, you know?
1: yeah. Because what can you do with ten dollars? Yeah.
0: Do you think that was money that was usable, or you think it was just old money that you couldn't use anymore? It
1: was usable. Oh, it was. It was usable. Uh, I think. I think they. I don't know. Maybe they took money from somewhere. Who knows, Right. Though? You so know, you were for government bosses. or something? I'm trying to show you how was it because I think I saw like Sandino thing and one is these bills, but I remember it was you see the Sandino thing mm-hmm. that it has a big hat yeah. and it's like black thing. They were here, and then uh, and then they call they call Granero, but it was like a I don't know how to say that word because I never seen that before. Well, you see in the farms. In the farm where people people take the grains or something yeah. in it. Yeah. Like, like a grain mill. Something, yeah, like grain mill. Okay. So yeah.
0: And that was on the money that you had in bags. Yeah. Big sacks of money with those printed on it. Yeah, but they were thousands. It
1: was a thousand. Not a hundred. Okay. They were thousand. Everything was thousand. Five thousand, a hundred thousand, fifty thousand. Like, you were a millionaire, you know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it all depends what you of, can actually
0: buy with it. A lot of money. So, but you were also saying at this point, so now you're back, you're 10 years old, and it's still a, a very violent place, yeah? I mean, everyone had guns, as you were telling me?
1: Everyone you? had guns. I even remember that I have an AK-47. At They're, 10 years old? On, no, not 10, but I, I was like
0: 13. Yeah, and why do you think? I mean, was it for protection, or is just there so many guns because that were left over from everywhere?
1: The you know, you are even walking somewhere and you're gonna find that, so they took it home. So you'd find
0: guns on the ground. Cause yeah. there's so many of them.
1: AK-47, M16, and those are things that they call Makarov. Makarov, it's like nine millimeter or
0: something. Okay. Uh, Russian weapons. Did you? Uh like, did they train you how to use it, like your mom and dad, or you just had one because they're so abundant that?
1: Everywhere, but no, they never trained me how to use it. After that, I remember I had, you know, when you're a kid, you want to go here and there, everywhere. And a couple of my friends, they had weapons, and they say, you want to try? Of course I want to do it, you know, because I was 13 years old. And, and they told they say, okay, here, they gave me an AK-47, and I shot that thing. I was, who, my heart started breathing like whoa. It was beating crazy. And after that day I said no, I don't want that You don't want any more guns? No. No.
0: That it's, was too much. It's funny, uh Fernando's mom still carries a uh, little thirty-eight beretta in her purse to this day. <laughs> it's awesome um and so what was the rest what was your life then growing up now as a teenager in, in managua like i mean you're in school obviously
1: yeah i was going to school but after that i remember my father he was working for that uh phone company or something back in the day now it's claro okay you so know? it was
0: enatel now it's claro yeah
1: yeah uh, back in the day it was telcor after that it changed to enatel now it's claro and he was working there he started working like a Technique or something, fixing the lines or something, and after that he was the vice president. I remember. Of and he what, was a company. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was was making like ninety thousand cordobas monthly. That was good, I okay. guess. Mm-hmm. So yeah, after that he started making money, and we were start living better life, you know, with cars and trucks and horses
0: and farms. Uh, I mean, how does that work, though, where, hang on, wait for this motorcycle to go by. How does that work as, you know, Don Harold being a contra general and your mother being a contra, um, not lieutenant, but a, a colonel, and now they're... Living in the Managua society at good jobs, like was there any resentment? Because I mean the the government at this time they were all the generals from the Sandinistas running the show. So were they were there problems socialists? No, for they were
1: not Sandinistas. They weren't. No, they were the new new government. Uno. Okay. Uno. Okay. I remember. It wasn't new government or something.
0: So there was no problems for no, for anyone? No.
1: He came back and he started working like that and climbing on the company. After, I don't know, 10 years working in the same place or something, he was the vice president of the NETEL. So he was making a lot of money and we had drivers and trucks and fun and cell phones, you know. And after that, he started making money and he bought a farm and, and then another one and another one. I remember he had, He used to have a lot of farms here, like three
0: or four. Farms that did what? What kind of farming would they do? Horses and cows. Horses and cow farms. Yeah. And they produce money. That produce money. huh? Yeah. And so, did you go to high school in Managua? I did. And when you finished high school, did you go to university? I did. And what did you study at university? Where? What? Oh, customs. Customs? You study how to be a customs agent, yeah, in the university, yeah. So you could work at like a border or something like this. I did. You used to work at the border. I, I did. I
1: did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I was working at the border right here in Pe- Peñas Blanca. Yeah, yeah. I did that, and f- oh, and after that, I remember I moved to Managua back, and I was working in a. a agency or something which it was customs and i was just sitting on the computer all day just typing all that what and were you doing like what would you have to
0: do as a customs agent typing people's information yeah
1: yeah because you know people's uh, they, especially nicaragua only have import, importation thing. they don't sell anything because they, don't, they can't export anything because they don't have nothing the only thing that they have is the place where they uh make uh shirts. T shirts. The t shirts? Yeah. San Franca or whatever. I don't know. Something but yeah. It's what? not even there. It's it's like a Canadian.
0: But they, they always used to export uh fruit, I thought. All the the big American fruit companies were here exporting a lot of fruit back to America.
1: Yeah, orange orange and banana. Okay. Uh nothing else. Huh nothing else, they sell uh, rice, they sell it to El Salvador, and El Salvador put the same rice that they sell, they just put it in bags, and they sell it back, and we
0: bought it. (laughs) (laughs) That's how the world works these days. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's a really cool story, and I I really hope that you go and talk more to your mom and dad about their experiences in, in the revolution and get it you know, written down in some I way. think
1: so, yeah. You know what? You should come. Uh, they live in Rivas. They have a hostel, a little one. My father is there. He always there. I think he's going to like tell you something mm-hmm. about it,
0: and, you know? You might have to translate because my Spanish is still terrible. True, <laughs> true. Well, oh, I mean, yeah. we should even record it, sit down with him and, and get more of the stories because, I mean, once he's gone, you know, like... He's old. He's, he's old. very old now. Yeah. He yeah. was always such a cool older yeah. man. Yeah,
1: he was with a cane, you yeah. know, and really slow. Okay. Really slow and skinny. Yeah. Remember, he was a little chubby, like with the big belly or something. Nah.
0: Now he's skinny, old. So what's your game plan? I mean, you're going to go back to the States after a few months and continue to raise your daughter. Yeah. And hopefully make enough money and save enough money to then retire here at what age what age do you hope to retire here in nicaragua
1: i don't know yet no. like 50 60 maybe 50 or
0: 60 i don't know how yet. much money do you think you need to retire here in nicaragua
1: it depends on what you want to
0: do you know i, I you, think two hundred thousand dollars less more no more more you want more
1: yeah five hundred thousand dollars no i think i want to have like a million (laughs) dollars
0: okay (laughs) yeah so with with your tree trimming company which is called fast your goal is to the next whatever amount of years try to at least bank a million dollars so you can come back to nicaragua and live the life that you've always wanted
1: and i'm pretty sure i can do it oh yeah yeah that's cool i like that ambition i'm telling you that's what i'm telling you you want to make some money got cut trees
0: Go cut trees. We should almost just end on that note because that's such a good way to end the the podcast. But um, we I just want to ask, you know, like with with your wife and and child in the States, you know, and your desire to retire here. um, What what happens if they don't? want to come with you
1: well they're gonna call my wife she always try and go with me anywhere though but she's a little scared because she doesn't know spanish yet all the time she's i've been trying to teach them but they say it's hard she always say hard and sometimes she's uh in the mood you know like okay now i know this Uh, every day i say what you learned today now she got a, a something online that you can teach english i mean you can learn spanish And but she always working. I don't know why. What does she do for money? She works at like she works for uh, United Motors. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Tag 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 and titles. That's how you it Tag and titles. Yeah. Okay.
0: Gotcha. And just so the audience can ever if they ever need their tree trimmed, (laughs) how can they find you in Maryland? Like what's what? How can they contact Fernando Sanchez to come cut cut their trees? With the email, which is what,
1: uh, fasttreeservice at gmail.
0: fasttreeservice at gmail Yeah, because you don't have a website. No. Okay, dude. But been, I
1: should, you know. <laughs> you yeah. Definitely. Should.
0: <laughs> I know. Hey, I it's know. It's been a pleasure talking to you, brother. Thank you for taking the time. Oh, really with the phone number. With the phone number? Do you want to give the phone number, too? Yeah,
1: it's 443 207 I mean, 7696.
0: Okay. I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. Thank you again, Fernando. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, brother. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspired you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to... Choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new. To live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.